Welcome back to the Spiritually Intimate Conversations podcast. I am your host, Blair Dreesen. And on today's episode, I have a special guest that is a, oh, Jamie, how do I explain this? Long time. <laughs> Where do I begin? Um, our host, Jamie Roberts, I've known for a really long time now. I'm trying to think of when we even met, but we met on social media, probably like, yes. what, seven, five? Oh, four or five years ago, maybe something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I met her through social medias. Like, I feel like everybody now meets everybody, right? Like, how do you know them? Oh, I know them from the book or the gram. Yeah, we're like the OG meeting people on social media. It was like, before it was like, co- like, cool. I feel like it's cool. Now. I feel like <laughs> I <know. laughs> people, people want to meet people on social media now. Whereas before it was like, I don't know you. I'm not going to talk to you. Like, <laughs> why are you friend requesting me? I don't know you. I know it really was that time frame where even like where people would, when they would ask me, Oh, how do you know them? I'm like, Oh, from social media. And they would, they'd look at you. Like you had three heads. Like, what do you mean? You right. know them from social media? Like, no, but how do you know them? Know them. I'm like from social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Like now it's like totally a thing. Like everybody's like, it doesn't even phase them anymore. So yeah, we met on social media. Um, and I'm even trying to figure out like where on social media we met, uh, because this was back in a time you guys, um, you guys know this, if you're longtime followers, uh, when I very first started growing my business as an entrepreneur on the online space, I was in a network marketing company. And so I was like growing my network and meeting people, um, and connecting with them in a lot of different ways. And so I'm trying to remember how we even connected. I don't even know, because one day I remember it like it was yesterday. I was walking out of the job that I was working at and I was like, just so depressed. I was overweight, just had my second baby. I'm like, something's got to give like, and I think I saw your fitness page, like maybe once or twice but I never followed it. Mm-hmm. So I just recognized your profile picture. And I was like, Oh, you reached out, like just randomly was like, Hey, how's it going? Just want to connect with new people. And I'm like, well, would you look at that? Like I <laughs> started like creeping on you and I was like, all right, well maybe this is what I need to like start losing weight and, you know, get out of this funk. And then, yeah. Fast forward all these years and here we are today. Right. So yeah. So I was in health and fitness at the time and I, that's how I was working with women. I was helping them on their fitness journeys. I was helping them. And like, I, I pretty much more focused like on overall wellness because I shared my journey very transparently about, um, struggling with postpartum depression, especially after my second, like I had it really bad with both, but, um, after I had landed, it was really, really bad to the point where, you know, and I, I was very vocal with this of sharing, um, I was suicidal. I was calling my husband every day when he was at work. And I was just like, I just don't think I'm going to make it today. Like you need to come home. Like this is bad. And, and the hard thing was, is that at that time, Kyle and me, um, we were really just trying to get like a footing financially 
we were really broke. We were not even living paycheck to paycheck because my parents were helping us, sending us money every single month. I had their target card, their gas card. We had food stamps. We had like all the things. And, and so during that time, he, it's not like he could take a lot of time off from work to come home and help his, you know, at the time we were, you know, just, I say we were just dating, but like, we were like, together, we had a baby and, and everything, but we weren't even engaged. Oh no, wait, we were engaged. Cause I got, hello. Oh my God. Can I remember my own life? <laughs> like, wait a second. We were engaged before I got pregnant or like when I was pregnant, like, oh my God. So we were engaged. What the fuck? Anyways. So I was just such a hot mess and I wasn't sleeping and I was miserable and all these things. And, and I was suicidal. I was just struggling every single day. And so I talked a lot about that within when I very first started growing um, my health and wellness business, because for me, it was so much more than helping women, you know, lose the weight because I recognized at least for me and a lot of the women that I was um, working with were struggling with also other things emotionally. Um, And I love that we're actually recording this right now, Jamie, in the month of May, which is mental health awareness month. I just literally thought of that. That just literally dinged in my head. (laughs) And you know, what's funny about the whole, like, I didn't even hear your story about your postpartum depression. Like I didn't see any of that stuff on your social media. Mm -hmm. You just like reached out to me one day and I was just like, well, maybe this is what I need. And you were exactly what I need and still need in my life like I our friendship means so much to me because it's like you came into my life we are literally live across the entire country from each other yeah we really can get further New York (laughs) I'm in upstate New York and you're in Washington State you can't get any further like we (laughs) like how did you find me I have no idea we have no mutual friends like it was just the universe plopped you into my lap right when I needed you and like all unfolded. And I had no idea about your postpartum depression story, but literally our stories are so similar. It's almost scary in a way, like (laughs) every single life shift that we've had, we've, we've had together, but separately, like, so I know it was just the universe popping you in my lap when I needed you and I still need you. And I'm so grateful. Well, I need you too. (laughs) So yeah. So Jamie, we, Connected over that, Jamie started working with me in my health and fitness business. Um, She actually even started growing a health and fitness business with me. And we kind of linked arms doing that. And then um, obviously I've, I've shared that, you know, my businesses started expanding and growing and I really fell in love with um, the aspect of mentoring women. And so as I began mentoring women um, in all sorts of other ways, my, not just health and fitness, um, that's me and Jamie, our friendship and our bond grew even more. Um, I've worked with Jamie in a multitude of different ways, um, coaching her and mentoring her. And it's really been fun watching her accelerate and her growth in so many different ways, like in business and in life and just everything as a mom, like all these things, it's just been so beautiful and fun on top of everything. Like she's definitely one of those people that has been like a really good friend to me. And I just, I love it. I love when I think, I think people don't put this as an importance enough when they're finding like a mentor client relationship. I think like if you can't visualize 
having like a deep friendship with people outside of a coaching container, I feel like they're maybe not the right coach for you or that you're, they're even the right client for you because I love being able to have those kinds of bonds with my clients that far go outside of like a business working relationship or me mentoring them through something, because I feel like that to me is way, always way more important is having like this friendship bond, um, as well with my clients, which some coaches could argue with me night and day on this. I've had other coaches say things like, don't develop too close of friendships, this, that, and the other, it blurs the lines. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like to me, in that type of, at least the kind of work I'm doing with a client, I want to feel like they feel bonded as a friend to me. And so that I feel like it just helps the work that we do on a completely different level. Other coaches could say otherwise, but for me, it works. Yeah. And I feel like it works for you because you, regardless of how close you are as a friend, you're still open and you still challenge like in a bad way but you challenge your clients to see like to dig deeper and to say the things maybe other friends aren't willing to say because they don't want to hurt their feelings. And it's not that you're saying it to hurt their feelings. You're saying it because you see it and it needs to be brought up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where drive in that aspect of making friendships with your clients and developing the friendships with your clients, because you genuinely care about them enough to make them dig deeper, to make them uncomfortable so they can heal. Whereas if you know, other friends are like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to tell her that she's going to flip out. Like, <laughs> nope, not going to, not even going to go there. But where you're, you're like, yeah, let's fucking go there. Yeah. Because you haven't gone there yet and you won't go there. So let's go there. And I think that's like, the beautiful part about your friendships and how you mentor is Aww. because you're like, yeah, we're going there. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, you guys, this also comes down to, if you're a, a woman who's listening to this and you're building a coaching business, I think that it, I think it's important to say, um, and I'm actually going to have a guest come on here in the next coming weeks. That's going to expand even more and talk about this, but it is about creating safe containers and safe spaces um, for your clients, but also just like in general, right. Safe spaces for friendships, for the relationships that you have to be able to hold that kind of space for one another. I think it far far extends outside of your relationships with your clients, but it is important to create safe environments and safe spaces for people to go deeper emotionally and to connect and bond on a deeper emotional level. Um, but that does take creating a safe exchange of energy with those people. So they feel that they can. Um, so like I said, I'm going to have another guest come on and expand more on that, but I want to dive in on why I had Jamie come on and talk about this and, and like how our friendship and, and our, our mentor client relationship and how all of this has expanded into a lot of the work that Jamie has been called in to do. And I, I'm like, this is going to be such a fun conversation to dig into because I feel like right now, this is what's going on on like such a big global level for everybody. And everybody is going through a lot of this shit right now. So Jamie, why don't you first, before we get into our topic, um, why don't you share a little bit about you, who you are and like what it is you do? And oh, wait, and actually before you even share about what you do, because I always have to ask, 
what are you in human design and give the people all the peeps of the human design. And if you know all your astrology, because I, you know, me, I geek out on it. And then I'm like, everybody needs to know because it's important. <laughs> so I'm a manifesting generator and the only astrology I know kind of embarrassing. I'm a Virgo. That's it. Like, I don't know what the, the sun and the moon or all that stuff is. That's I haven't even looked into it. I don't know when everyone's like, Oh, I'm this rising in this moon. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I, maybe I should know to better understand myself, but I don't know. I am a manifesting generator through and through. Yeah, you are <laughs> like a lot of strong energy. Um, I love to start things and not finish them. Um, I do, I do this, like my jam, like initiating all of the things and then the follow through is the hard part for me. So <laughs> <laughs> not always, cause I've seen you crush some shit and you are crushing some things yeah. right now. So yeah. yeah. Tell us about like what it is you do. Um, I am a life shift coach and photographer. Um, and a little bit about me. My name is Jamie and, um, I'm a single mom of two, well, three, if you count my dog, I was going to say your pet and the fur baby <laughs> as we speak, yeah, there he is. <laughs> there he is. always up my butt. Um, currently right now, my photography and relationship coaching are part-time. Um, I just transitioned out of my marriage, so I'm working through that right now. And, um, I like old motorcycles and mm-hmm. I like fishing and camping and being outside. Um, I don't know what else. Don't forget that you, you love cows. <laughs> oh yeah. And farming. Cows. farming. <laughs> and my girls. <laughs> Everything to do with the, the outdoors. Yes. You're Farms, very much the... like an out- outdoorsy kind of gal. <laughs> yes. And she swears a lot and she's super hysterical oh, and the dance gotta, moves that this chick has when she works out are phenomenal. Just saying, I'm going to put Jamie's make- contact information in the show notes below. And I'm just telling you, go just watch a, a story or two from a couple of days of Jamie's life and you're going to die laughing. It's so funny. Like a trucker blush. My dad always told me, and it's true. I was in a milk house one day and the milk truck driver was like, he was just being wicked nasty. So I gave it right back and his face turned beet red. And I was like, well, there you have it, bud. He never said anything to me after that again. <laughs> I was like, you can, you better take it if you're going to dish it, bud, because uh, it's coming. <laughs> That's what I love the most about Jamie. She just like says the shit and you're just like, oh, okay. And you always make me laugh. It's so funny. You will never walk away from a conversation with me. Like, wow, like, I really don't know how she felt about that situation. Like, you're going to walk away from the conversation with me. It was like, oh, okay. Like, that's definitely how she feels. And that's where she stands on that. Like, I'm no bullshit. I'll tell it like it is. And I mean, with love, you know? Yes. You're a super loving, caring person. You have like the best, I always say, I'm like, James got the best energy. Like it's so much (laughs) fun being in her energy. It's such a good time. So yeah. So expand a little bit on this like life transition. And this is where we're going to be digging in kind of more to our topic, you guys of like the big, big and small transitions that we all experience in life. But Jamie really like, just talk more about that. Like what got you started in that? And what does that really mean and look like for you? 
So the life shift transition coaching, I've always wanted to coach. I just never knew. And you've known that since you and I connected, like Mm -hmm. I just wanted to coach. I, when I was in high school, we had, um, you know, the motivational speakers and I was sitting there and I was like, one day I'm going to be on a stage. One day I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I don't know what I'm going to speak about. I don't know what it's going to look like, but at that moment, talking about I'm not I think it was like some sex sex education thing so I mean obviously nothing that I want to like talk about but I was really how they made they how comfortable they made me feel in a room full of people I had the the realization there like I want to be that for people I want because I was really never comfortable with who I was when I was a kid I never knew like what avenue I was going down because there was a lot of disconnect um, growing up, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of disconnection with our family, with extended family. And I just never felt at home. And when they were talking, even though it wasn't about a topic that was relatable to at the time, I just felt good. I felt at home and I'm like, I want to, I want, I want everybody to feel that way. I want to help people feel that way. I want to be the one talking on a stage resonates with somebody and it just like makes them feel better so I've always wanted to do it I never told anybody I wanted to do that because people are I always thought people would judge me and be like the fuck what the fuck are you gonna talk about what are you gonna be a motivational speaker for you know like you don't make a million dollars or you know you don't have this big house on a hill or you know what I'm saying like Mm -hmm. just the what people I guess think success looks like or what you have to endure to be a motivational speaker. So I've always thought about it and everyone's always told me I've always been good with words. All my friends are like, you know, like just what you say, like it just comes from genuine. It's always genuine, no matter what you say, whether it's whether it's the hard truth or, you know, the loving that you hold when we're going through a hard time. And it wasn't until I lost my dad unexpectedly that I really sat with sat with it. Like I've never, I've experienced grief. I've lost my best friend. I've lost my grandmother. I've lost animals. You know, I've, I've lost people that I've been close with, but nothing compares to the grief I felt losing my dad so unexpectedly. My dad and I always had a great connection. And when I was sitting with it, I'm like, man, I know nothing about this kind of grief. I, I, I don't like, I feel like an orphan now, even though I still have my mom alive. Like it's just such a huge void and so uncomfortable. And then watching my daughter grieve on top of me trying to grieve. And, um, it was just, it was a really hard place to be. And then people in my life that were interjecting their opinions on, how I should be grieving and what I was doing was wrong. And that was a whole different, like a whole nother grief cycle on top of like, just literally just losing my dad. It was like six months into it. And, you know, I just buried him. I was the executor of the estate. So even more heavier layers of not just grieving my dad, but I, everything fell on my shoulders, Mm -hmm. all of, you know, the, the logistics stuff. And, um, It wasn't until, you know, everybody's opinion started coming in and, you know, friendships, 
I had to grieve those friendships because I had to honor myself and just let myself sit in the grief, no matter what it looked like to anybody else. Um, I went to grief counseling and I'm like, you know, this isn't, I don't, I mean, this just doesn't, this doesn't feel good. Like you're grieving, you're uncomfortable. You don't want to sit in a room full of strangers and listen experience maybe it's relatable to yours but the thing about grief is everybody's grief is different you could lose a parent and somebody else could lose a parent but your grief is your grief it's not the fucking same and nobody fucking talks about it nobody talks about the discomfort of death nobody talks about the discomfort of grief you can't you're I feel like as a society you're we shouldn't talk about the hard shit we should only be positive and talk about the good shit. Well, you don't get to the good part without the hard shit. So why can't we talk about the hard stuff? Why can't we be open with it? Why can't we, why can't we talk about like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling today. Like you don't need to tell me how to feel. I just need to express it. And I need to know that it's okay to not be okay. Because I feel like often, even, you know, standing at, my dad's wake. Everybody was hugging me. Oh, he's with you. Oh, he's with you. I'm so sorry. It's going to be okay. And, and I, I get that that's what, because people don't know what to say at that point, other than I'm sorry. And he's with you. And you get to a point where you're like, okay, that's fine. I like, I personally believe that he's with me all the time. I can feel him. I can see the signs, but not everybody believes that. And then the anger sets in like, shut the fuck up. He's not with me. So I don't want to fucking hear it. That he's with me all the time. He's not here anymore. I don't want to hear, you know, I'm sorry. Like I'm fucking sorry too. Like I I just don't want to hear it. But so that was my experience on like being in the grief and it's nothing, not saying anything about the other people that are trying to console me. But I think it's because people are so uncomfortable talking about death and grief that they don't know what to say. And, and that's okay. But at the same time, when you're in it, when you're grieving, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear, it's okay. He's with you all the time. You know, he'll always be with you. You know, tell me the fucking stories about my dad. I don't know. You know, tell me, tell me the things I don't know that I would love to know. Like, that's the stuff I want. Like, I want to cry and laugh with you because of the stupid shit he did back in the day that I don't know about or the amazing things he did for your family members while they were dying and nobody else could be there with them, but my dad to hold their hand until Mm. their last dying breath. So like, that's the stuff. I was sitting in my dad's grief. I'm like, man, you know, somebody just needs to be able to tell people it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say the things you need to say without judgment, whether it be, things out of anger or saying things out of well I don't know why it was my dad and not this person over here you need to be allowed to say all of that without judgment Mm. in your grief and I feel like I had that I had that I had that with you I had that with my close friends and that was so fucking powerful and I'm like more people need that more people need to know it's okay to not be okay more people need to know it's okay to talk about death because it happens. Life happens, death happens. We all experience death. And I feel 
like we just need as a collective we need to normalize it because it happens it doesn't have to be a beautiful like it is a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing for the person that dies but we live with the pain we live with that pain and i just want people to know that there's an there is an outlet for that pain like you don't have to be in the pain forever you will always forever grieve but you don't have to be in that pain forever the grief i have now for my dad is completely different than the grief i had when it first happened the grief i had when it first happened was hard and heavy the grief i have now brings me some comfort and joy it's not as heavy as it was i smile more i don't cry as much i laugh more i people tell me about you know things he does or you know when when i say things i just laugh and i'm like yeah that was definitely my fucking dad coming out <laughs> <laughs> so it's grief can be so beautiful if we allow it to be mm-hmm. and i just want i just want to open people up to that and i i never really thought that i was capable of doing it and then a couple well what was it three years two two and a half years um i decided to leave my marriage so whole another level of grief a completely different level of grief that of losing my dad because grieving somebody who died is so different than grieving somebody and something that's still alive Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to explain like how that has felt other than part of me I have to grieve. I have to grieve the old me. I have to grieve the person that I was, the person that I suppressed to try to make the marriage work for our children and for for somebody else i had to forgive that person i had to i had to forgive me for suppressing myself i had to forgive me for burying myself in a hole and putting my hurt on the back burner for somebody else's potential hurt I was always worried about everybody else's potential hurt and I was not acknowledging the hurt I felt every single day. I just buried it and buried it and buried it. And I've been on this whole spiritual journey, you know, the mindful journey for the past 4 years and I always wanted I wanted you Blair to give me the answer. Like, you know, and I and I know you knew what my answer was. but you would never you would always just ask me like the better questions and i was too scared to just say it out loud and then finally i got to the point where i'm just like i have to be done i have to be done i there's nothing more i can do to make what we have work i've tried and i've beat myself into the ground and i've buried myself and i've literally given up every single thing about me to make it work and it's just not working anymore. So I grieved 
for a lot of my marriage, I grieved the person that I was. I grieved the person I always wanted to be. I grieved the person I wanted to become because I felt held back and not because anybody held me back. It's because I held myself back and I wasn't honoring myself in the marriage. I wasn't honoring what I wanted because I wanted everybody else happy. And in order to do that, I had to be fully present for everybody else, but not myself. Mm. So that is when I decided to do the life transition and life shift coaching. Um, because the grief of my dad, super heavy. I've only the grief of losing people. I've never dealt with grief of consciously leaving a marriage and completely uprooting my children and myself was the biggest, scariest decision I have ever made in my entire life because I can't just consciously chose that I chose to disrupt our family and it's still hard, but I don't cry as much anymore. And it was the same. You got to work through the grief. You got to work through every part of the grief. You have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive other people. You have to, I had to help my children grieve through it and they're going through the grief stages too. The anger, the tears, the happiness, all like all of it. It's hard. And I just want to be able to be a support system for women who are experiencing any kind of life shift. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to be a safe space for them. I want them to be able to feel like they can come talk to me about anything, anything at all with no judgment. You say what you need to say, work through what you need to work through. You sit in it for as long as you sit in it. And that's another thing I think like society as a whole is, oh, no blood, no tears. You know, you're not, you don't have a broken, like stop crying. Your bones are not broken. You're not bleeding. Stop crying. Well, I feel like cry for as long as you need to cry. You sit in this shit for as long as you need to sit in it. Because if you just cry for a minute and then you bury it and bury it and bury it, you're going to be right back to where you started from. Why? Because you've always buried it. You have never been allowed to show your emotions because it, it makes you quote unquote weak. It makes you, it doesn't make you strong. Well, that's all fucking bullshit too. I don't understand why people think if you cry, you're weak. If you cry, you're stronger for crying. You're stronger because you're letting all the fucking shit out. You're letting the emotions out. And then you can pick yourself back up. You can stand taller and you can be like, all right, let's fucking go. I got this shit. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've noticed with myself, if I push it down and suppress it, I, I become weaker every single time until I crack and until I break. And I have found too, with all the heavy shit that's happened, it's literally cracked me wide open, wide open in places that I never even knew I needed to open up to just let the light in because there was just so much shit that I never talked about that I had forgotten about because I buried it. And through the transition of ending my marriage, a lot of shit came up, a lot of shit I forgot about. And it's because we are taught to push it down, 
don't talk about your emotions because it makes people uncomfortable. And I just want to be that comforting place for people. No matter if it's in my coaching or my photography or you're my friend, like I want you to know you're safe. And with my kids, I want them to know I'm a safe place to come. Whether they tell me things that hurt my feelings or not, like I don't care if my fucking feelings are hurt. If you got something to say to me, say it. If if you want to bring it up, let's talk about it. Because at the end of the day, no matter what, your feelings are the most important feelings to honor. And a lot of times people are always worried about people pleasing. And that was me. That's why I stayed in my marriage as long as I did. Why? Because it looked great from the outside in. But it, it wasn't, there was no abuse or anything like that. But it, from the outside looking in, he was a great provider. You know, he was, he provided, he did what he needed to do for his family. But at the end of the day, there was so much disconnection with everybody. And that's not, that's not what I want out of life. And I need to honor that. I need to honor that for me. I need to honor that for my kids. And they need to know there can be more than just a nice house and a pool. And as long as it looks good to everybody else, it's okay. As long as, and I stayed in the marriage for so long because I didn't want to disappoint anybody. But at the end of the day, every single day, I was disappointing myself because I wasn't honoring what I genuinely wanted. Mm. And I just want people, I just want to support people who are experiencing the same thing or are thinking about, thinking about it, but everybody around them is giving their opinions about how don't leave because it looks great from the outside in or, oh, it's not that bad because they do X, Y, and Z get over yourself, you know, like, it's just, everybody always has an opinion. Yes. And, <laughs> and that's where I think a lot of people get tripped up is they're so set and they know what they want, but then somebody gives their opinion. And then they're just like, yeah, they're probably right. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay where I'm at. Even if it's a job, even if it's just transitioning out of a job that doesn't serve you anymore, or a friendship or your marriage mm. or a long-term relationship, whatever it looks like, or cutting ties with toxic family members. Like that's hard. And somebody's always going to have an opinion like, Oh, that's family. That's all you have. No bullshit. Bullshit. That's not all you have. Like, it doesn't matter if they're family. It doesn't matter if they're blood, yes. because I can tell you one lesson I learned after my dad is not all family is blood and not all blood is family. I mm. had complete strangers support me and love me through the hardest time of my life more than some of my own family members. So at the end of the day, it's not quote unquote, it's not your family. It's the people who fucking show up for you genuinely that matter. That's family. Just because they're your bloodline or they're your relative doesn't mean that they deserve or need to stay in your life. Oh my gosh. There's, there's so many nuggets here that I'm like, where do I even dig in? Because so it's like, so first, I think I just want to say like, this is obviously about, you know, establishing very clear boundaries, right. In your yes. life of like, yes. what is an energy leak and what do you really need and, and honoring yourself? Because yeah, like what Jamie, what you're sharing is like, 
these life transitions and shifts, right. Are, are, they can be these, these big things that most people can identify very easily. Right. It's like when I talk about trauma, right. There's like big trauma, little trauma. And some people are like, oh, I don't really have trauma because I never have experienced, you know, I was never physically abused or I was never this or never that. Right. And they label certain things as it's not really this because it's not what society says that it's supposed to be. And so I think when people think of big life transitions, they're focusing on really big ones or like when they hear grief, they're thinking, oh, well, I've never experienced death or lost somebody very close to me. And it's like grief shows up in a multitude of different ways. And I went through a divorce and I know what that kind of grief feels like. And I feel like you really nailed that on the head. Anybody who's ever been through a divorce, it really is like, it's grieving so many different things on so many different levels. And it is very weird to be grieving someone that is still alive that you have to continue to keep communicating with but you have to learn all these new ways of communicating with them that you never, it's, it's so weird and so crazy. Um, but yeah, you're, you're grieving who you were, who you thought you were, who you now are realizing who you really are. And like, it's, it brings up tons of things. And, you know, I've, I've been through the grief of friendships and and losing friendships of things that I thought, I thought our friendship was one way. And then, you know, learning different things I've grieved, you know, the loss of a pet. I went through the grief of losing my dog, um, a year and a half ago now. And that still to this day, I have a hard time with that grief of losing my dog. Um, I've spent business shifts, having to grieve certain, when I made certain shifts and changes within how I show up and I work, that was layers of grief that I didn't even really attach that it was grief, what I was feeling. Um, what I'm like, there's so many things. I'm like, what else? What else? I mean, there's just all of these things that we don't recognize are many, many, many different layers of grief. Um, but it's all kind of bringing up different stress responses in our nervous system and amplifying them and activating them. And you're right. Like Jamie, this is why most people, like when they're going through certain shifts, their nervous system is getting all super fucking triggered. And then they are getting a multitude of opinions thrown at them and it just overwhelms their body so much. And then what ends up happening is that ultimately you guys, is we don't, we start to not feel safe. We're not feeling safe in our body because we're in such a trauma response state, a fear state, a stress restraint state. Oh my God. I can talk. Um, (laughs) we're in grief. Um, I, I share with everybody that I felt like last year, a lot of things that happened, essentially, I was like, I I feel like I'm experiencing PTSD, which is another one that people, oh, it's not PTSD because I never went to war, right? They attach PTSD as it's only for people that have been through a certain level of mental or emotional distress and they don't recognize that you can have PTSD from a multitude of different things that are yeah. triggered from grief and loss and major life transitions, but also small life transitions. Like, and just like what you were saying with grief, everybody's affected by things differently. Mm-hmm. We have to 
to look at even life transitions. Everybody handles a divorce differently. Everybody handles um, changing jobs differently. Everybody change uh, relocations, maybe even moving yes. or a sell of a home, like trying to sell a house. Like that, like there's so many things that we start attaching. Well, it should look this way. And then we judge people when they're not doing it the way we think they should, or we judge ourselves when we're not handling it the way we think we should, because we're attaching it to some, like, I don't know. I'd, I would love to know the list that somebody came up yeah. with that said, this is the rules that now everyone in society has to follow. And this is how they all have to be and feel and talk and process any life shift. And I think yeah. that's what trips people up the most, especially in like the smaller life shifts is they're like, I shouldn't be feeling this way right now because it's not that big of a deal. Right. Like, right. But it is, if it's a big deal to you, it's the big deal, no yeah. matter what it looks like to anybody else. Yeah. And I feel like that, that's what I love is that you bring that conversation forward. And I have to say being somebody who was your friend, your mentor, somebody had known you before your father had passed and after your yeah. father had passed. And I had watched how you handled things. It was interesting too, to see like Jamie has always been somebody who's been very vocal, very open, very like transparent with her story. And she was no different during the loss of her dad. She was very open and sharing a lot of what she was doing. And I remember that, yeah, you, some people had all sorts of viewpoints of how you should even be talking about your dad online. Yep. And I yep. was like, what is going on? And I think yep. that's when it really started hitting you. You were like, oh, I need to talk about this even more because clearly yep. people are not fully understanding this. And it really ignited this spark in you to like lead you down this path into supporting women in this way. It's been really beautiful yes. to watch. And it sparked me setting a lot of firm boundaries. Yeah. A lot. I used to think that I was setting boundaries, but I was just like, oh, this will just be a temporary boundary where let's like, let's just say the boundaries that I used to set, I would, it would draw a line in the sand, but it's where the water comes crashing up and washes it away. Every time the water comes up after my dad died. I stepped back and poured fresh concrete and drew those motherfuckers right in the concrete. And that's where they stayed. <laughs> yeah. Like my boundaries are so firm now with everybody, every, like I, I set such firm boundaries that I want to say they're almost too firm sometimes where I'm not willing to like bend a little bit. But I also think that that's necessary because I would set boundaries and I would bend and then I would allow them to come back into my life. And then I would be disappointed over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I, and just like, same thing with, I haven't shared much about my divorce, the transition out of my marriage on social media, because I don't feel like I'm at a place where I feel like now I'm at a place where I can share my grief experience about it, but I'm out of respect for the whole situation, I mm -hmm. won't openly share on social media about that. I will share about my grief, but I will not share details because it's not fair to anybody involved. And um, the boundaries I set after I lost my dad and like cutting ties 
I joke around. I'm like, my scissors are literally so sharp right now. You could just dangle the string right by the scissor and it'll, and it'll cut it. Like you don't even have to close the scissors. (laughs) And I've, there was, I grieved friendships through this divorce too. Um, friends that are no longer friends and which like friendships that I didn't think would dissolve, dissolved Mm -hmm. and new friendships have come in that I never even in would even imagine these, like, I never thought that the friendships, the new friendships that I have now that we would be friends. We were never friends before, but me telling my story, being brave enough to leave a marriage that looked good from the outside looking in and honoring myself no matter what brought them to me Mm. because because I was brave enough to do it and I gave them the courage to do the same and talking that with them through their process really helped with their grief too and she told me that she's like you should really get paid for the things that come out of your mouth. And I was like, <laughs> and I've been I saying mean, this to you for years. <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'll, I'll start. She's like, no, really. If you don't, I'm literally going to kick your ass. If you don't start doing this like full time, <laughs> because you need to do it. But, um, I went off on a rabbit trail. Oh, the boundaries. Um, the grief came from boundaries and even more so with mm-hmm. the divorce. I have such firm boundaries now that I know what I want. I didn't leave to go into another relationship. I left because I wanted to honor who I genuinely am. And I need to find myself again. I need to find the person that I suppressed. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and, um, I just want, like, I feel like with grief comes boundaries if you don't learn to set those boundaries for yourself, you're never going to stop grieving at at a deep level. Like, and I don't want to say you're going to stop grieving. You're never going to stop grieving. You're always going to grieve the death of somebody. You may not always grieve a divorce. Like you're going to get to the point where you're like, fuck it all. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm definitely at a point where I'm like, I don't grieve my divorce anymore. I have effects from it still. I see what you're saying, right? There are still things that um, have impacted me, especially if you have children, right, involved because that continues to kind of, but even that presents a different layer of boundaries that you have to put in place, right? To be divorced from somebody, but co-parenting with somebody. The boundaries there, oh man, were mine fuzzy as fuck for about a bit. (laughs) Right, so this is where- with any type of grief comes boundaries and nobody talks about fucking boundaries. No. Why? Because let's all people please. And you have to do it a certain fucking way. God yeah. forbid, if you honor what you're, what you're comfortable or not comfortable with doing. Yeah. And setting boundaries makes people so fucking uncomfortable. And the people that it makes uncomfortable are the people that it affects are the people you put boundaries in place because of. Yes. <laughs> and like, so the people that don't honor your boundaries or get upset about your boundaries are the people who need those fucking boundaries. Yeah. It like amplifies everything. Yes. Right. It's, yeah. it's kind of like, I like how you use that example of you're like, I would draw a line in the sand, but then it's like the waves would just come up and just wash that line away because it was a def- it wasn't a definitive 
boundary, it was easy to be washed away. And so you reassessed and built a big, like an actual wall. And I always look at it then, like when you set a firm boundary like that for yourself, and I've now replaced, and, and maybe this will help for some people because I am literally all about language. And I feel like certain times, certain words, you know, like firm, people think firm, they think hard. They think people are going to think I'm bitchy. People are going to think I'm, I'm not, you know, bendable or I'm not, you know, whatever it is, right. That they, Mm -hmm. you know, they associate with that. And so I've kind of switched it and like, I'm setting sacred boundaries. And so a sacred boundary to me is going to be one of the firmest, most protective, supportive boundary you can possibly imagine, because I'm literally talking about protecting my own energy, protecting the energy of my family. And I'm, it's a sacred bubble. It does not have to be offensive. It doesn't need to be hurtful. It doesn't need to be a mean thing. I don't need to be bitchy. It doesn't mean that now I'm this like uptight, you know, I don't, you know, compromise with my husband kind of thing. And I'm like, nope, this is me. And you just have to deal with it. And la, 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 la. Like, that's not what boundaries mean, but you have to understand that when you start creating these firmer, bigger, um, and essentially more sacred boundaries for yourself, the waves start to feel like they get bigger. Because it's like the things that these people, you're right. Like the people that you're setting boundaries for are typically, you're setting a boundary usually for a reason. And there's a toxicity there or an energy leak there, or maybe it's just, you're just not, you shouldn't be exchanging energy with certain people for whatever reason. And it may not mean that they're bad. It's just like, you guys just aren't a good energy exchange. It is what it is, but it's almost like the waves get bigger. The, yep. It seems to feel like, you know, things get kind of worse. And I, I usually even tell my clients this, right? Like when you start going through the healing process and you really start kind of owning more of your own energy and you kind of start really becoming, bringing in more conscious awareness and you're kind of working on your stuff, there comes this moment where it feels like everything is kind of getting worse, but it is because people start to test these boundaries with you. Yep. Because they don't see you show up in this new energy and it throws them off hugely. Yeah. Right. And so I saw this, I saw this with my ex-husband. I've seen this in past relationships with people. I saw this, I'm establishing, I'm still trying to reestablish good sacred boundaries with me and my mother. Like I have like a whole bunch of stuff with my mom, um, that I, have to renegotiate boundaries all the time. And that's the other thing, right? Jamie, it's like, you don't just set one boundary and then like it's one and done. Sometimes you have to renegotiate the boundaries depending on where you're at in life to see, does this still, is this still supportive of me and where I'm at and where I'm moving towards? So it's always this renegotiation with ourselves and our energy exchanges. And I can say, since I've set these boundaries and held them, it's so much easier to recognize what, like, I need a boundary there. I don't need a boundary here and to hold those boundaries. And I feel so much safer as a whole when I set the boundaries and remove whatever it is, like that toxic energy, um, or whatever it happens to be, 
I just remove it and I don't exchange with it and I keep the boundaries up and I have never felt so safe in and secure in myself than I do mm. now. And that's such a powerful gift to give ourselves. And it's something that we don't recognize is what's happening when we're not setting sacred boundaries, but also like what you've brought up with when we're not honoring our own process and our own emotional Mm -hmm. grieving or stress or to feel how we're feeling, it's we're not allowing ourselves to feel safe in our own body, to feel what we need yeah. to feel and to go through what we yes. need to go through. And so, yeah, that is the first boundary. I think people need to set with themselves is that sacred boundary of, I need to feel how I need to feel right now, no matter what anyone else thinks about it. Because I know like last year I went through a grieving process that was really freaking profound Um, and it felt like a divorce, a death, uh, a shedding of all the things. And when I was in the the middle of it, I remember Kyle kind of looking at me like you're like, he started and I, I recognized like he was trying to support me, but it was coming off in a sense of you're not handling this the correct way. And I remember having to say like in the thick of it, you need to allow me to process this the way I'm processing it. Please just give me a couple of days to feel how I need to feel and let me just be yeah. in the ugliness of it. I know yeah. this must be scary for you as my husband feeling like, cause he's such, you know, you know, yes. how guys are right. They want to be the fixer. They want to come in and, and they don't know what to do if they don't know how to fix. And so yes. I think it was like, that was the boundary I had to set in that very moment of just like, please honor my process. Even though I know that this looks like I look like a wreck, just support me in letting me feel this way. Yeah. Just give me a moment. And, but I think it's scary because coming from a past where I had struggled with postpartum depression, I had been suicidal. I think he was concerned. I think that people that have struggled with postpartum depression or have struggled with depression before those deeper, harder feelings can be triggering and scary because we're worried I'm going to go in back into a deep, dark place. And what if I can't pull myself out? And this is where obviously I want to, you know, preface this, this with at any time, you know, that you're going down in a place that is really hard for you, obviously, please reach out and call somebody, get in contact with your doctor, get connected with a therapist. I know like my mentor right now, um, she was a licensed therapist and she connected me with, what's it called? It's like one, I always fuck this up. It's like, I'll put the link in the show notes below too. So you guys have this, it's not a crisis care number, but it's a, it's like psychologytoday.com, and you can go on there and you can get yourself linked in with a therapist to like any of your specific needs. It's really great. You can literally add in like, I only want to work with a female. I only want to work. I want somebody specialized in this, 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 right. Because I do think that working with a therapist and having a mentor and having a good network of friends. Like when you have like everything combined is like super beneficial and super freaking helpful, especially if you're dealing with, you know, um, a mental health disorder, or you're really, you know, feeling like I'm 
not doing well and I'm having suicidal thoughts. So I, I do want to preface, I want to say that so that people understand yeah. that this is not bypassing any of those things that are clear indicators that please get yourself the help that you need. I think that in the moment I knew inside me where I was and I knew I wasn't going to that place again. I knew I wasn't, yeah. but I knew probably on the outside to Kyle, that's what it looked like because it went the last time he had seen me that bad, you know, I, I had been internalizing, contemplating suicide and I hadn't yeah. vocalized it. And it wasn't until afterwards and Kyle, so he's panicking, right? He's like, yeah do I need to call the doctor? Do I need to get you help? Like, what do I do? And I just had to, I needed him to know, like, look, I'm not there, but I need yeah. to be here and I need to feel it and then process it. And I promise you that it will shift and will get better. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I just, I needed to, <laughs> I was like, cause I know like some people, they, they don't, they, they get right. scared of going into those harder emotions for right. good reason. And, you know, and I want, I want, I just want to be able to support people and let them know that like, no matter what has happened, no matter what your grief has looked like, no matter what the past looks like, you still can choose joy. You can still mm -hmm. be happy. You can still live your life and feel fucking good and safe in your own body. Even though parts of those parts of your life aren't here anymore, whether it be a death of a loved one or a loss of a marriage or anything like that loss of friendships like you can still have joy every single fucking day as long as you choose it and as long as you're willing to do the hard part mm -hmm. and heal and sit in those heavy thick emotions and just let yourself feel them it's uncomfortable it's so fucking uncomfortable to sit there and I think that's why a lot of people just push it down. They're like, they start to feel that discomfort and they're like, yeah, no, fuck this. I do not want to be here. But what happens is you don't allow yourself to not be okay for a minute. And then you are continuing continuously still not feeling your best mm -hmm. every day. And yeah, well, and I think that most people, because they, they are scared, they're going to get stuck right yeah. in that emotion. Yeah. And I think, I know for me personally, growing up, I didn't always had the best, um, examples of mm -hmm. how to move through emotion. Right. Yep. It was, so I always was like, well, I don't want to be like that. I, yeah. or I don't want to be perceived in this way, or I don't want people to think I'm like this. And so I, would get really uncomfortable with certain ways of feeling or acting or doing, because I then perceived it that other people were going to think I was acting in a way like crazy or psychotic or, right. or these things. And so, yeah, I would push everything away. Cause I was like, Oh, nope, 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 nope. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I feel like women get that a lot too, though. Right. Yes. Especially yep. don't act like this. Don't talk like this. Don't react this way. Yeah. Because if you, if you do those things, then you're labeled as quote unquote, Oh, that's just a crazy bitch. All women are the same. Blah, 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 blah. Is it the time so, of the month? <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. You must be on your period right now. Yeah. You seem really extra emotional. <laughs> and I'm like, 
And I'm now I'm going to scratch your eyes out. We'll see how emotional I get now. (laughs) So, so you want to, you want to talk about the stereotype. We might as well just do it. Wait, what? Did you just want to get your face curb stomped in? Oh, wait, what? No. (laughs) And I like, and that's the thing too, is right. It's like, I remember growing up and that's other things that we, I think, with tra- life transitions and shifts, right. That we don't even really honor all the shifts and the, the changes that we had growing up as a small kid, as a teenager, going into adulthood. And there were so many things I went through in my teenage years, all these shifts and transitions. And for a long time, I held all the shame and judgment around them because of how I showed up in my teenage years. And so side note, you guys, me, Blair in her teenage years, I apparently was walking off the set of a Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg video. And I (laughs) speaking of curb stomping. Yeah, basically, (laughs) I probably threatened a a, a good couple of people that I was going to curb stomp their face in because that's how Blair handled emotion. But it was like, because when I was a teen, um, I, as I started like developing and stuff like that. I always had like big hips and a big ass. And so I was being made fun of or being told that I looked fat or, um, I just wasn't fitting in to all these, you know, popular girls and how they looked and how they were. And so I just kind of started wearing baggier clothes to kind of like hide my body, which then I started hanging with all the like gangsters of, (laughs) you know, my school and, you know, so it was like, I mean, this was the time though, right? It was like, there was like this gangster kind of phase and like the skater phase was all yes. kind of being birthed at this time. Like I'm 40 years old, you guys. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> just under like, just picture the, you know, the nineties and that was Blair. And so I was then starting to be judged, right. For like how I looked and what I wore. And so then I was like, well, fuck it. If everybody's going to think I'm a gangster bitch, well, now they're going to get a gangster bitch. And, but it was this way to protect myself because I didn't understand yeah. how to establish boundaries. So that was the yes. boundary. The boundary was very much like, I'm going to wear this and talk a certain way and look a certain way. And it will just deflect people. and Nobody will come near me. <laughs> They'll leave yes. me alone. Yeah. I felt the same way. I was so uncomfortable as a kid. We changed schools a lot. And every new school I went to, I was just like, we didn't have a lot of money. So we, you know, didn't have all the the things and the nice clothes. And um, it took me 34 years, but I'm here and I'm comfortable. And it's been beautiful. And I just want people to know that like, there is light if you just let yourself crack open mm-hmm. and you find that safe place to go get there like it might be heavy right now it doesn't have to be heavy forever mm-hmm. so much beauty on the other side of grief regardless of you know what grief you're navigating through yeah whether it's death or a life shift or a life transition, any of it. Yeah. This is all, I love this. I love the work that you're, you're doing and that you're going to be supporting women. And cause like I said, you guys at the beginning of this, that obviously on a grand scale, collectively, we're all going through massive shifts and 
it is, there's a grieving process in a lot of ways because a lot of things are being brought up and we're having to grieve certain losses of things. We're, we're being, um, we're being called in to feel a lot of uncomfortable, sometimes feelings and emotions. We're all being questioned on different belief structures and how we process things. And so this is just a beautiful reminder that we all process things differently and we're all moving things through things differently. We're all grieving things differently. We're all experiencing losses in different ways, but we're also experiencing a lot of different joys in different way. And we're being yes. called into different things. And there is this beautiful, yes, like on the other side, right. It's, yes. it's always there. They're like, it's the rainbow after the storm and the blue skies and stuff. And as cheesy as that sounds, yes, there is so much truth in that. It's hard to hear that if you're really in the thick of yeah. it. And that's why Jamie, I love that you exemplify that space where people are either being told that's not high vibe. You need to get out of it. Yep. You need to get to the rainbow. You need to get to the lesson learned. You need to like, how did this serve you? It's like, when you're in the middle of that shit, that's like the last thing you want to fucking hear. Yeah. I'm like, don't tell me that this is serving me in some way. I'll fucking figure it out later. Like I want to feel like shit right now. Just yeah. Back up. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, I think it's so uncomfortable for people to see somebody so vulnerable and in such a dark, uncomfortable place that they're not willing to sit there with them. Mm -hmm. They're not willing to sit on like, I can't tell you how many times I've literally just sat on the floor against my bed and cried. And nobody's willing to sit next to that person on the floor and just sit there if they need you to sit there or hold them if they need you to hold them. Sometimes they just need to cry and just get it out and not have anybody say, oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, but something happens for a reason or, oh, it's going to be better afterwards or, oh, eventually, you know, you're going to have this, 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 and this. Well, not thinking about the eventually they're thinking about the right now. They're thinking about the fucking hurt right now and the devastation and the betrayal and the, the forgiveness and the anger and the sadness sit there with them. I feel like not like this is going to sound weird or not, but I find the comfort to be with people in their discomfort Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. nobody is willing to sit in that discomfort with them. Everybody just wants to fix it. Everybody, everybody wants a solution for them. So they're not uncomfortable, but the solution for them is to sit in it and feel what they need to feel without somebody telling them their feelings are stupid or their feelings. They shouldn't feel a certain way about something when they feel that way, your feelings are your feelings. And I feel like that's where I really pride myself in what I have to offer women is I'm literally willing to sit in the shit with you and I'm willing to stay in the dark with you as long as you need it, as long as you're going to be okay when we get out of it. Mm. Mm -hmm. You're going to be okay when you come out of it, but I'm not going to force you out of it. Yeah. And that's so important to hear you guys. I think I always looked at it like, and I would explain this to people. It's like, if you're walking through an airport and it's like super freaking crowded with all these people that you do not know. Right. And then you see somebody walking down the way and they're like laughing and they're smiling. 
nobody thinks anything of it, but you see somebody else walking down and they're like bawling their eyes out. It's like everyone instinctually, you notice this, they will move away from that person. A lot of people will. Now there are some people that will lean in and be like, Oh my God, are you okay? Like, is everything fine? But a lot of people, like, especially in like situations like that, because nobody knows each other. Right. So I say an airport, cause I feel like that's like the, the last place you think you're going to run into anybody like that, you know, locally. Right. It feels very, right. these people are coming from all different places, walks of life, stuff like that. You don't know a single person and don't feel like you have anything in common, um, then say like, you know, the grocery store, you feel like there's some level of community and connection there, but that I feel like people really, they just, they don't want to engage because it makes them uncomfortable yep. in that moment to see somebody hurting or crying. And it makes them literally so uncomfortable that they will avoid them completely. And I think how beautiful would it be instead of, yeah, instead of avoiding people when they're in their discomfort or trying to get them out of their discomfort as quickly as you can. I, we get it. Like it's coming from a good place, but what they need more than anything is just to be told, like, it's okay to feel how you feel right now. However that looks, allow yourself to be there. And yeah, I, I like Jamie too. We're not putting timelines on people's grief or timelines on how people are processing things. Like I get, especially in the coaching industry, like we're all about, you know, transformations and supporting people to get to their next levels and and, and getting people out of certain old patterns that aren't serving them. But it's like, we also need to honor and respect that there's just certain things that it just takes some people longer to process. Yeah. And we can't disregard that. Yep. We have to allow people to go through their process without being like, I'm sorry. You just can't complain about that anymore. It's done. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Like I have certain traumas inside of me that I'm always going to carry. And they're never not going to, they're never going to be 100% healed. Like that's the other thing too, is like, people are always looking for this. Like I need to be 100% healed of all of my things. And it's like, Jamie, you even said, you're like, I'm always going to grieve my dad. That's never going to go away. Yeah. It's just going to shift. It's going to change. And it's going to look a lot yeah. different now than it did, you know, right after he passed. Yep. Absolutely. And it's like every milestone that my girls reach, there's another layer of grief because it's more things that he's missing. They're getting older. You know, my oldest still talks about him every single day. Like, she still hurts. So we will always grieve him. But the grief changes every time, every year, every month, every week, every day. Sometimes it's heavier than others. Sometimes I just sit there and laugh about the stupid shit he used to do or yeah. say, or, you know, I'll be at work and I'll hear, uh, you know, a patient talk about some inappropriate shit with me on the phone. And I was just like, man, like, and then I grieve my dad when I'm at work. So I'm like, I just wish I could call him right now and tell him what this conversation was because this was hilarious. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. You know, like, but. And like it's learning said, like, not to judge yourself, right? In those moments where it's like, where maybe we feel like we go backwards in our healing yep. and yep. we're like, I thought I moved past some of this or why is it feeling so much heavier today of all days? And instead of like questioning it, just understanding like we are humans, we experience emotions. Like it's not, you're not going backwards. I, 
I hate when people think that, like, I just went backwards in my healing because I'm feeling things that I haven't felt in years, or like the grief seems extra heavier today when I really thought I'd moved past all of that. And it's like, it's not this, like you keep moving forward and you're never, ever going to not feel like lower emotions ever again from certain things. Like it just, we need to remove that expectation because I feel like that's where people get themselves tripped up, especially in just like life, especially in business. Oh my gosh. Right. Like, yeah. Why can't I get past this fear? Why does this fear keep propping up? It's like, let's just not shame ourselves for that. (laughs) Right. Right. And nothing I've, I've found so far in my experience will make you feel like you've taken 10 steps backwards until you get like, go through a divorce or transition out of your marriage. You're going to question, you question everything, your worth, Mm -hmm. your confidence, all of it. So things that I thought that I had healed through the divorce, like, it's just, so many things came back up and I was just like, whoa, like, whoa, where the fuck is this coming from? I thought I had taken care of this a long time ago. And, you know, and I did, I just allowed myself to sit in it and not judge myself on, okay, well, this came back up. I'm not healed from this when I thought I was. And instead of holding shame and judgment around myself, I didn't. And I just let myself feel it. And then afterwards I was like, oh, well, I guess that wasn't completely healed and I needed that to come back up because now I feel a lot lighter. Yeah. I think it's remembering that is that, yes, it's going to come back up, but it's like how we're, we process it maybe a little bit differently. We become more aware of certain things. We allow our bodies to process it more. And that's what I kind of took from last year because I had so much stuff come up that I like what you had said. I thought. I yeah. had worked through this and then the divorce triggered all these things. And I felt like that's kind of like happened last year for me is all this stuff that I thought that I had kind of worked through, like it all kind of imploded all at once. But then I realized like, it was just another opportunity for me to process it through my nervous system and through my body more to kind of like create more layers of safety within my body to create better sacred boundaries. I feel like that's an, you know, it's opportunities for more sacred boundaries to come in, to renegotiate with our nervous system, to renegotiate with our boundaries. And then, yeah, then it's just like, I get on the other side of it and I'm like, Oh, okay. I understand why the things came up the way they did. Granted, I wish they would have came up a different way. (laughs) I didn't have to go through like how I went through, but I mean, it's just the process. Absolutely. Right. So Jamie share, uh, with the audience, uh, cause I know we're going to be wrapping up, share with the audience, how they can be working with you and chatting with you. Cause I'm going to put your information in below. And so if you're sitting here, like, oh my gosh, I'm going through a lot of transitions right now. And I really do need that extra support from a mentor. Um, they can just reach out to you on Instagram or yeah, Instagram, um, slide into my DMs. It's at JME underscore Roberts. And um, Facebook is Jamie Roberts. You can message me on Facebook. Um, I prefer Instagram, but if you're not on Instagram, I'm always checking Facebook too. Um, so, how at your girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. And if you also, we didn't get to talk a whole lot, but Jamie's also a photographer. She's an amazing photographer. You should definitely ch- check out her photography because you do do a lot of beautiful things and you have other ways that you support women. I feel like outside yeah. of like the typical, like, you know, weddings and stuff like that, which you do do, but I feel like you're very yeah. gifted in and photography. I literally make those soul connections with every single client that I have to like, I sure I have what, like 10 new friends from the wedding I did last night so <laughs> everybody was so appreciative like they just kept walking up to me they're like thanks thank you thank you for being here you're taking such great pictures and you've been working your ass off I was like yeah that's what I do and they're like thank you for you know making this this wedding is great and I was just like oh I was so full of love and gratitude this morning when I woke up the bride's family coming up to me and giving me hugs and thanking me for being there because she's the only girl out of five. So Mm. they were just, everybody was all emotional and the, all the love. And I just, it just fills me up that people trust me with capturing their memories. It's, it's more, it's more than just a photography business to me. It's still making those connections with people and they trust me in capturing their memories, memories that last a lifetime. And losing my dad, me finally just rip the Band-Aid off and start my business. It's something that I've always wanted to do. And I think I take so much pride in it now. And build those connections with people is because eventually someday the only things they're going to have of their loved ones is their pictures. And that's all that I have left of my dad now is the pictures, the memories from the pictures. And that's why I don't take that job lightly either, because at some point, that's all the family's going to have is those pictures mm. for those memories. That's so beautiful. I think about and, and I'm kicking yeah. myself right now because so me and Kyle for our wedding side note, you guys, <laughs> like, you know, me. do I you can. need me to come out to Washington, go off a on a little trip? tangent? Well, another side note, side note, I've been saying like for you for a long time, I think you just need to start, um, start being hired for retreats and stuff and doing like retreats. Cause I know you've done branding shoots for people, but I was like, I feel like you need to do retreats because that's like a whole nother level of capturing people like in their process and, um, holding sacred space for people because, you hold sacred space for people on so many different levels. And I already know Jamie would be amazing at holding sacred space at a retreat for people. So if you're looking for, you're going to be doing retreats, I feel like you should just message Jamie because I'm telling you right now. Holla at your girl. Holla at your girl. Cause I'm telling you, she definitely will hold the space. Um, cause I feel like not everybody gets what that means. Like holding space in a retreat format. And I was like, Jamie gets it. She'll be yeah. badass. But back to what originally was to say was that me and Kyle, when we got married, um, we didn't hire a photographer because I was like, we were just kind of like bare, like we could only afford the bare minimum of certain things. And, um, the fact that we were even able to go to Hawaii to make it work, to get married in Hawaii, like there was a lot of things we had to cut back. And so I was like, Oh, everybody can just pictures on their phones. (sighs) I'm kicking myself so bad because the pictures on our phones, I mean, they're nice. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, Fuck, I really wish we had just hired the photographer. <laughs> like, what were we thinking? <laughs> you let me know when you want to do an anniversary shoot and I'll come out. Ooh. I didn't even think about that. Doing an anniversary yes. shoot? Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. 
That's a good idea. Yeah, I just got the goosebumps thinking about it. That is a really, as Jamie would say, that is a wicked good yes. idea. <laughs> Wicked, wicked awesome. That's wicked awesome. I think I literally added that back into my vocabulary after you and me became friends. I was like, oh my god, I used to say that shit. <laughs> like the best word ever. Wicked. Yeah, yeah. I'll come out. I want to eventually. That's my end goal. Is well, not end goal because it's not going to be the end. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I want to just be able to travel. Um, I potentially have a wedding booked in North Carolina next year. So I'm pumped about that. Like that'll be fun. I want to travel and do all the things. I want people to reach out to me no matter where they are and be like, hey, come take my pictures. And I'll be like, I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pack my shit. <laughs> well, I know this girl has retreats that will be getting plans. So now I'm like, hmm, Jamie. We just need to maybe talk more. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So you guys, like I said, I'm going to put all the contact information for Jamie below. If you enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you did, please share it with all your friends on the socials. Please sure to tag, tag us and let us know how much you enjoyed the episode. Again, if you have questions, anything, please slide in my DMs, slide into Jamie's DMs you know, obviously don't be scared to reach out and to talk to us. Um, especially with these kinds of conversations, you know, I know that especially right now, more and more people are needing connections. They need people to talk to. Um, but me and Jamie, both being people that have been through, you know, you know, depression, we've been through grief. We've been through those types of things. We understand that sometimes it's hard to just like ask for help or reach out and talk to somebody, but you have to know that there are people that genuinely do want to talk to you, listen to you and really want to be there for you. So please reach out, uh, reach out to Jamie, reach out to myself. We are more than happy to talk to you guys and we love you guys. And Jamie, thank you again for hopping on the show. So much fun. And I just want to interject in there. I don't take it lightly if somebody reaches out to me to talk because I remember when I reached out a lifeline to my doctors when I was so depressed and it was just all they said, oh, it'll get better. Oh, it'll get better. Well, here's some medication. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to be on medication. So I just want you to know, I don't take that lightly. I take that very serious. If somebody reaches out or if somebody says, hey, I'm having a really hard time and I'm having really bad thoughts, I don't take any of that lightly. Like, if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. And if you reach out to somebody and they don't reciprocate, like, Hey, you know, yes, I'll listen. If they kind of shoot you down, don't stop reaching out. Don't let that one person Mm -hmm. deter you from asking somebody else for help because happened to me. And then Blair reached out to me and that was the lifeline I needed. So don't look at it as, oh, that was one person I reached out to and they didn't want to talk to me. Look at it as, okay, that's not the person I need. I'm going to continue to reach out. Please don't stop reaching out if you need help. Yes. I cannot reiterate that enough. Please do not stop reaching out if you need help because the person that's meant to help you and the person that's meant to listen to you will help you and listen to you. The people that aren't willing to do it aren't the ones that you need. Mm, that's so important. Yeah. 
Thank you for reiterating that. Cause I do, I think that's like super, super important to continue asking for help. Um, because yeah, I, I, I think I've had many people that I think I, you know, what if they had just, you know, asked yes. more for help or like, even for myself, you know, if I didn't just ask for the help because I was really super scared to ask for help. Um, but I know it's scary and it's hard. So please know yes. that Jamie's here for you and we love you guys. And I hope that this episode benefited you in some way, shape or form. And again, yes. thank you, Jamie. Thank you everybody thank for you. listening. Thank you so much. Yes. I love you. Love you guys. Love you, Jamie. <laughs>